This is their new hoax. But you know, we did something that's been pretty amazing. We're all feeling the impact of coronavirus. Today, Qantas stood down 20,000 people, and of course, they're joining a long list. If I get corona, I get corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. Well, why, why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. A person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Welcome to Nursing Review's new podcast. Each episode, we'll look at a different aspect of the pandemic, tackling myths, talking research, and keeping you informed. Right, and then I see the disinfectant, where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost... My name is Connor Burke, and this is the Nursing Review Coronavirus Podcast. This episode, we talk about another invisible foe and something that could hit us just as hard as the virus itself. The next wave of the pandemic may in fact be a wave of mental health disorders that will arise throughout Australia. Some preliminary data shows that people are already reporting psychological distress during this pandemic, with one study that shows 30% of survey participants have moderate to high levels of anxiety and depression, while a Guardian survey shows that 80% of respondents already living with mental health believe it has been exacerbated due to the coronavirus and 28% indicating that it was much worse. Joining me to discuss our mental health in this well time is Associate Professor Jill Newby from UNSW and the Black Dog Institute. Jill, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Jill, we already know and we've seen after you know the GFC and other crises that there are substantial increases in mental health and suicide or suicide-related behaviour. Um, add to this now a scary unknown virus. What can we expect in terms of mental health in, say, a year's time? We don't know the long-term effects of this pandemic on the general mental health of the community, but also on healthcare workers. What we do know from past pandemics that there are some increased rates of experiences like anxiety, stress, insomnia and alcohol problems during the height of the pandemic. And then after you can see some longer term issues, particularly for people on the front line. So some studies have shown slightly higher rates of post-traumatic stress disorder, sleep problems and, and depression. In terms of the longer impacts on the general community, as I said, we don't know just yet, but we do know from past crises like the GFC. Sorry, my um, thing went off. I'll just um, start again. Mm-hmm. So we do know from the GFC and other economic crises that you see longer-term impacts like increased depression, increased suicide rates and other problems like alcohol abuse. Do you think that um, most of, if we had to, were to hypothesise, um, the mental health issues that will arise out of this, will they be pre-existing or is it, can it be likely that new ones are brought on by the stress of the pandemic? We've seen new ones brought on by the stress of the pandemic. So for some people, this will be the first time they're experiencing anxiety or other problems like depression. Mm -hmm. I mean, it'll be quite unfamiliar for those people. But we also know a particularly vulnerable group is people who have pre-existing mental health issues. So like you said in your introduction, many people who have already experienced a mental health condition are, um, are saying that their mental health is a bit worse during this pandemic. And a few things contribute to that, you know, being in lockdown and being socially isolated from friends and loved ones, um, and also the increased pressure from changing 
the changes in work um, and increased pressure juggling um, a range of different things, including family responsibilities. And then finally, for those people who are out of work and have a pre-existing mental health condition, that can exacerbate their, their concerns and their condition. Mm-hmm. Um, the Black Dog Institute is recording an increase of uh, 123% for visits to its website compared to a usual week, and 40% of the content viewed was from a designated section around COVID-19. Uh, what else is going on there in the mental health sector? I mean, are most um, psychological services now moving to online? Are they freely available? Um, how are people able to deal with it at this time? Yeah, so one of the good things that has come out of this crisis, I know a lot of not good things have happened, um, but one of the good things is a sense of reduced stigma around mental health. I think because so many people are experiencing increases in anxiety and stress and um, and impacts on their mental health, that more people are interested in learning about what might be helpful for them and for their colleagues and for their loved ones. So we are seeing that increased um, traffic to our website, particularly around COVID-19 contents. You can access free mental health care um, with the government's um, telehealth initiatives. So what they've done and one of the great things they have done is enable people to access GP appointments via phone or via video conferencing like telehealth and ask them for a Medicare mental health plan and that will enable them to get up to 10 sessions this calendar year with a psychologist or another trained health professional to help their mental health. So that's a really great thing. It means that there's free access to mental health care and high quality mental health care out there without having to leave your home. Mm-hmm. You mentioned previously frontline workers. We're obviously here for the nurses. Um, We know that sometimes nurses can carry stress um, for a long period of time due to the pressures of work and maybe not even realise or um, identify it as mental health issues. Um, I know you've got some tips for dealing with the anxiety and stress at this time. What would you say to people in lockdown and frontline workers? The first thing I'd say is that The majority of people are resilient. So we know nurses and other frontline healthcare workers during their day-to-day work, they're confronted with very stressful situations. They're very familiar with anxiety um, and juggling a whole lot of things and being faced with significant challenges. And they do manage to cope pretty well with those scenarios and those situations. So the first thing I'd say is that the majority of people are resilient and they do have coping strategies to get through this time. The thing is they might have stopped using those coping strategies or due to these changes, um, they might not know how to use um, the strategies that they were using before. So things like making sure that you're sleeping well can be a really important one. Making sure you're prioritising time to self-care and that could be spending a bit of time out to exercise. That can improve not only your mental health but also your physical health making sure that you're connected with loved ones. So even though we can't um, see people in person at the moment, reaching out, um, having a phone call, um, texting, or staying connected with friends and especially social support systems is really critical right now to help manage anxiety. We saw the New South Wales Premier talk about today, it is Friday the 1st of May, easing some restrictions on visitation to, in her words, help with people's mental health. I don't often hear too much from government, state or federal, really regarding mental health. Uh, When this is all said and done, are we likely to see the government target mental health as part of the recovery process? 
I hope so. I think it's going to be a significant part of the recovery process and we're trying to lobby government and a range of other organisations are doing that too. You can see an increased focus on the media around mental health. I think that's because everyone's realising it is so critical in people's wellbeing and their quality of life. The important part of the recovery process in terms of mental health will be making sure that we help people who have lost their jobs or who have financial insecurity to sustain their mental health during this challenging time. We know that unemployment and financial stress are a huge risk factor for the development of things like depression and anxiety and other mental health problems. So the government will have to respond to that and make sure that we're addressing those concerns early so we can prevent long-term impacts on the community over time. Wajil, I know you're working on some stuff to help um, frontline workers, healthcare workers, so I'd love to have you back on when that's up and running to tell us more about it. Sure, I'd love to do that. Okay, thanks for joining us. And if anyone needs help, please reach out to someone, call Lifeline at 13 11 14 or go to blackdoginstitute.org.